0: Hi, I'm Denise, and I'm part of a circle here in Hudson. I'm reading from James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water.
1: Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Uh, Really glad that you are a part uh, of our church. Uh, Welcome those of you at our e-service, those of you who are tuning in online. Welcome. You now when I say uh, that I'm glad that you are a part of this church, I really mean it. Thanks to all of you who came this past Wednesday to our member meeting. So we kind of went over all that God has done in the last six months. We went, uh, talked about what we hope God will do in the next six months. Every time we talk about a next step, uh, what we are trying to do is to move you more into saying that this is your church, just not just the church that you attend. We want this to be yours. All right, so thanks. Thanks for coming. All right, we are uh, continuing in our series in James. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of James, James chapter 3. If you're going to use one of our Bibles, either in the pew or over in East Hall, it's page 951, 951. Uh, this is the fifth message of our 10-week series, so we are right smack dab in the middle of James. And I told you a few weeks ago that I'm always surprised when someone says that they love the book of James. I had somebody text me this morning and say it was his favorite book, and uh, it's not mine. And a uh, part of that is uh, the very first verse of the passage we we're looking at reads like this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Okay, that's a little disconcerting to me. Uh, How would that make you feel if you were me? You're about to spend the next 25 or 30 minutes, and I'm going to speak. And at the end of that 25 or 30 minutes, what James says is that I will be judged in a stricter way than any of you. All right, I remember um, when my son was playing basketball in high school i remember being at a game in the stands and i was uh, i was giving some suggestions to the referee that i thought <laughs> he might appreciate and instead he turned to me and he offered me his whistle and he said you want to do this and i thought well played right because who would want to make all those calls and have somebody like me judging every call who in the world would want to stand up and teach if God is going to listen to every word and judge every word. It's terrifying. But I don't think James' intent is to make people like me want to quit. I think James is making a point for all of us, for you as well as for me. Now, he's using a teacher as an example, as like a case study. But James' point is simply this. Words matter. Your words matter. My words matter. Now, the reason that James is using a teacher as a case study is because a teacher uses more words, at least I will this morning. I uh, would guess that this message will take me between 2,000 and 2,500 words. But what James is saying is that your words count, right? And the more you speak, the more evaluation is going on by God, that God is listening to everything you say. And there's a reason for that. And this is the reason. Let me give you my three points that I want to pull out of these 12 verses. If you're a note taker, you can write these down, or you can just know where I'm going. I want to talk about the power of words. I want to talk about the pain of words, and I want to talk about the healing of words. The power of words, the pain of words, and the healing of words. First, the power of words. In Genesis chapter 1, when the Bible tells us how God created all that is, It says that he spoke it into existence. He used words to create. He didn't have to. The Bible could have just as easily said in Genesis 1 that God created the heavens and the earth. God made the mountains and the trees. God made the animals and the birds. But that's not how it reads. This is how it reads. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 6, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. And it was so. Verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. And it was so. And God said, and God said. And so it goes. And then God creates human beings in his own image. We are made in the image of God, and he gave us the capacity for language. And just like God's words have power, our words have power. James will say in verse 9 that our words, we have the power to bless and to curse. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Proverbs chapter 18 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Not the power of the fist. The power of the tongue. Your words matter. right? What you say about God and to God. What you say about yourself and to yourself. What you say about others and to others matters. Right? There is power in two different ways, James says. There is power in the, from the one who speaks. And there is power in the one who hears. First, look at what he says about when you speak. This is verses 3 through 5. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. I don't I, I, I had read that over and over again, but I don't think I really noticed it until I was studying it the last couple of weeks. So, by the way, that's one of the advantages of having uh, multiple preachers that whenever Zach preaches, it gives me two weeks to kind of look into a passage and that can really help. What James here says is that the first way that words have power is over you when you speak them. And he uses two illustrations. He says it's like, putting a bit in a horse's mouth, but he also says it's like a, a rudder of a ship. And it was the rudder of the ship that got to me. Because if you change directions just a tiny bit with a ship, you're going to end up at a completely different destination than you intend. And what James is saying is that when you are speaking, the smallest different word that you choose, the smallest exaggeration, the the smallest kind of mean-spirited word can change the direction of your life, right? It can move you to a place. That's what James is saying. And that's disconcerting because we think of ourselves as really the power of words being in what we hear, but what he's saying is that when you speak, you are Moving somewhere. You know, um, I was thinking about this uh, last week. And uh, I was watching the Browns game. You know, uh, when I I watch a Browns game, I, uh, I talk to myself. I talk to the Browns. I talk to my wife. And I exaggerate a lot. I don't think I exaggerate in other areas of my life as a rule. But when I watch the Browns, I do. I say stuff like, they are terrible. They are the worst. I texted my wife during one game this past year, uh, and because I, I was out of town. This is what I texted her. I said that the Browns are the worst team to root for in the history of sports. Right? <laughs> clearly, I have issues. All right, clearly. But because I was thinking about this passage, and you know, I was thinking, oh, my words matter, right? What I say can direct the can set the direction for my life. I decided that I'd watch the Browns game and only speak what was true. And because my wife is used to me talking, you know, she was looking at me like I was a different person. Because it, what I would say is I, I watched a really bad play. And I said, mm, you know, the Browns are not a really good football team. And then I said, uh, they're not a bad football team but they seem to have a culture of losing, right? And it seems like I'm taking all the fun out of watching the Browns. But I was trying to think, what would Jesus say if he was sitting next to me during a Browns game? Or really, what would Jesus think if he heard what I was saying? And I wondered, how far off course do I get in a normal Sunday afternoon just watching the Browns. Because what James says is that everything you say is either moving you closer to God or further away from him. Everything you say is be- making you more like Jesus or less like Jesus. This is what I found in my little experiment with the Browns, is that after last week's game, I was much less upset than I was normally. And that may sound silly to you who are, if you're not uh, a big sports fan. And it, it is silly But what I found is this, that when you take a thought and you wrap it in words, you actually speak it out loud. It gains power. You take an angry thought and you just say it out loud. You spew out your anger. It will have more power. Same thing's true with a bitter thought or a fearful thought. Now, I want to be careful because I want to kind of thread the needle. I don't think it's healthy to bottle up every negative emotion. Actually, James helps us with that in chapter 5. In chapter, which we'll get to in a few weeks. In James chapter 5, James says, confess to one another. There's a difference between me just venting my anger and me venting my anger to a friend who can help me parse out what is true and what is not true. There's a difference between me just saying bitter things about someone or about God and saying bitter thing, confessing bitter things to a friend who will help me work through it. The first thing that James says is, you need to be just to know that every word you speak has some level of power over you. It changes the direction of your life. But words also have power to those who hear words. We all know the little childhood ditty that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. There may be nothing less true than that. The impact of words lasts much longer than a bruise. Some of you heard words spoken to you when you were small, and they have shaped who you are. A lot like having a a sapling and bending that sapling, and then for the rest of that tree's life, it grows a certain way. There are an awful lot of people in therapy right now because of words spoken to them or words that were never spoken to them that needed to be spoken to them. Listen, God never makes an arbitrary kind of suggestion in the Bible. It's all for our good. And what God is saying here is that your words matter. Your words have the power to to speak nourishment into a soul or poison into a soul. Because words have power. That brings me to my second point, which is the, the pain of words. The pain of words. Verse 9, James says something really interesting. He's talking about how we use our mouths, how we use our tongues. He says, with it, we bless our Lord and Father. With it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. What James says is that you can use your words to worship God and to curse people. But what he he says is that you can use your words to do both of those, but you can't do both of those at the same time. Like clean water and salt water can't come out of the same spring at the same time. You, You can't do them both. And this is what he means. If I were to capture all my words uh, for a given day or a given week and put them into buckets, I would have uh, a bucket for kind of words of information. I would have a bucket for words of gratitude. I'd have a bucket for words of affection. I'd have all kinds of different buckets. But there are are two buckets uh, that are rarely empty in my life. And those two buckets are, words of criticism about people, other people, and then words of defensiveness about me. Think of that as offense and defense. There are two ways that words of pain happen. There there are words of pain that we speak and words of pain that we hear. The criticism that I give other people are words of pain I dole out. Oh, and you should know this. The vast majority of criticism that I give other people, I say only to myself. I say it when I'm driving, right? And, and I say it out loud. And it's not necessarily about other drivers. It's about, it can be about anybody. You may be the same. Or I, or I say words of criticism to another person. About, I rarely will say words of criticism to the face of the one I'm criticizing, and you might be the same. The same thing's true about my words of defensiveness. Like when I hear painful words spoken to me, my initial response is to defend myself and I'll do that when I'm alone out loud and I speak those words. Now the reason that I think James says you can't uh, speak words of worship and uh, curse men at the same time is because both these are connected. Words of criticism, I speak so that I feel better than somebody. Right? And then words of defensiveness, I'm saying to try to make sure that I'm not lower than I should. Both of these are about justifying myself. Right? Uh, I played basketball all through high school, all through college. And when I was a junior in high school, my coach at the time, he was not my coach when I was a senior in high school, but when I was a junior, this was my coach. And we were having a, a really uh, bad season and a bad stretch in that season. And there was one particular practice where uh, I was not doing well and I was frustrating the coach, and he pulled me out of, uh, off the floor. And this is what he said to me. He said, Coffee, you are a loser, and you will be a loser forever and ever. Right? <laughs> and I remember even as a junior in high school going, you know, that's a really long time. I don't think he should have said that, right? But this is true. Forty-five years later, It's the only thing I remember that coach ever saying to me. You know, and this is something else I figured out, is that from that day forward, no one ever tried harder in practice or in a game than I did. And I think a lot of that was trying to prove that I'm not a loser. You know, in the first Rocky movie, The first one, not the next nine. The first one. Rocky Balboa is about to fight Apollo Creed and he can't sleep the night before. And he says, uh, not even so much to Adrian as to himself, he says, I just want to go the distance to prove that I'm not a bum. And I wonder how many of us are driven by words that we absorbed. We're saying, I'm going to be the best mom. I'm going to be the best dad. I'm going to have the corner office. I'm going to drive the right car. I'm going to live in the right place. I'm just going to be the best because I got to prove. I got to prove. I have to justify myself. Now, the reason James says you can't do this and worship is because the gospel says that you don't have to justify yourself anymore. The gospel says that Jesus speaks to you and says, I have lived in your place and died in your place and resurrected. It's, it's not, you're not justified by what you do or what you are. You are justified by who I am and what I've done for you, right? That's the gospel. And so James says, you can't, you can't have it both, right? You are either telling yourself the gospel or you're going to be trying to justify yourself. So this is my assignment for you and for me, for this coming week. I want you to know every time that you are tempted to put words in, the, in, in this bucket where you're going to criticize someone else, every time you're tempted to defend yourself and put words in this bucket, instead of, putting, instead of speaking those words out loud, speak to God. And say to God, God, I am tempted to try to justify myself, but I've been justified through Jesus. Remind me of that. Remind me of that. And if at the end of a single day there are no words in this bucket or in this bucket, what you will have done is lived one day in the truth of the gospel. And that will be the best day of the week for you. All right? That brings me to words of healing words of healing. Just like there are two types of pain, there are two types of healing. There's healing from words that are spoken over you and words that you speak to others. And the words that are spoken over you are the words that God speaks to you. One of the things that the Bible says is that you are not what you say you are, contrary to what our culture says. You are not what other people say you are. You are what God says you are. And this is what God says, you are precious, you are chosen, you are his, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are adopted. Right? You know, in my circle, uh, we've been going over First uh, Peter. And in 1 Peter, Peter just goes on this riff. It's a wonderful riff in 1 Peter chapter 2. This is what he says. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." That is so, so great. We were talking in my circle about that and talking about what it was like growing up. You know, several of us went to a number of different schools growing up. And I don't know why we got in. I guess we talked about what it was like to not have a people. I went to nine different schools in 12 years. And the, the worst time of uh, when you went to a new school, and those of you, I mean, you can think back, Uh, It was going into the cafeteria. Like you get your food and then you step into the cafeteria and you look and you don't know where to go because you don't have a people yet, right? And I think at that moment of when you turn and you look, how amazing it is that Jesus sits at a table and goes, hey, hey, here, you sit here. You're with me. You belong at my table. That's the word that God speaks over you. Whatever words that someone has spoken to you from the time you were little, if somebody said that you were a loser forever and ever, whatever they spoke over you, it's not as powerful as Jesus saying, You come here, you belong here. Those are words that are spoken over you. And then there are words of healing you speak to others. You know, there's a saying that says, hurt people hurt people, and that's true. Hurt people do hurt people, but it's also true that loved people love people, that forgiven people forgive people, that people who have been shown kindness are kind to others. Those who have been shown compassion are compassionate. And out of all the words that you've spoken to yourself, about yourself, all the words that you've listened to that other people have defined who you are or what you are, there is nothing more powerful than the words that God speaks to you. When he says, I have chosen to love you. I have given you my name. You are mine. And he does that. Through Jesus, let the gospel go so deep inside of you that you begin to be someone who is an agent of healing with your words, because your words matter. Your words count. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you, and uh, you know uh, this message has uh, impacted me and is one that I needed to hear. Uh, You know how difficult it is for all of us uh, to handle our words, you know, where we tend to to get off off course. I pray you'd help us this week, every person here, that every time we are tempted to... Criticize someone else or defend ourselves that we will turn to you instead and listen to the word that you have spoken over us. That we be justified not by what we do, or how we compare ourselves, but justified only in what Jesus has done for us. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus, for such a wonderful Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen.